Today we're going to focus on verse 11. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, where he says, Give us this day our daily bread. And as you know, the Lord's Prayer is found twice in the Gospels. And they read a little bit differently because Jesus spoke them on different occasions. The Lord's Prayer, while it's okay to memorize, it was not intended to simply be a prayer we memorize and recite verbatim. Rather, it's a teaching tool. It's an outline. It's a model to follow that if you want to pray God's way, he says, this is a pattern. This is a, this is a guide to help you know how to pray. And so in Luke 11, Jesus was answering a question from the disciples. They asked him, teach us to pray. And so he said, pray like this. In Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, which is the traditional version most of us memorize, is actually part of a sermon. Greatest sermon Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. It covers all of Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And right in the middle of that sermon, Jesus is teaching about prayer, and he says, this is how you pray. This is a pattern for praying. And he gives us this model prayer. And you'll notice the focus in this verse, give us this day our daily bread, and also in Luke, give us each day our daily bread. The focus is on today. What do I need today. Give me the bread. Give us the bread we need. Give people the bread they need for that day. And so I want us to think about this question. What did Jesus mean when he said pray this way? What do we learn about prayer? What do we learn about how to be a follower of Jesus from this part of the Lord's Prayer? And I want to say up front, there are some people, some teachers, some preachers who really mess this up. And they teach in some form or another this, this thinking that God wants all of us to be wealthy, that God wants all of us to be healthy all the time. And if you don't have all the financial resources you want, the, if, you don't, if you don't have not just your basic needs but more than that, or if you're sick, it has to be for one of two reasons. Either you don't have enough faith, or there is sin in your life that, from which you need to repent and turn. Because if you are living a holy and godly life and you have enough faith, you're not going to be sick and you're always going to have plenty. You're always going to be wealthy. And I just want to say up front, even though that is so popular in America today, and in a little bit I'll talk about why it is, it is biblically wrong. And that kind of teaching damages a lot of people in some ways I don't have time to go into this morning, but it causes, it causes problems. And so just, just for example, some people, if, if they're sick, they're, they automatically think, what did I do? What was the sin in my life that brought this on? And that's so unbiblical to think that way. Sometimes we do bring things on ourselves, but, but Jesus never said if you have enough faith and if you live in, in a godly enough life, you're always going to be wealthy and healthy. That is unbiblical teaching. That's not what Jesus means in this prayer and elsewhere in Scripture. So what does he mean? What is he telling us? Well, now remember who Jesus is talking to. Yes, he's speaking to us, but when he originally said this, he was speaking to an audience of people that was 99% Jewish, Hebrews, right? And so when Jesus said, when you're praying, pray like this, God, give us, Father, give us our daily bread. Give us today what we need, bread for today. Their mind would have automatically remembered the history of their people. They would have remembered that 
After years of slavery in Egypt, God delivered them with Moses, parting the Red Sea, and they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they entered the promised land because of their stubbornness, their hard-heartedness, and their sin against God. God judged that generation. And so 40 years later, they made their way to the promised land. And when you think of the the wilderness, because that's the word that's used in the Bible, right? If if you're like me growing up in the mountains of Kentucky, when I hear the word wilderness, I think of mountains and trees. That's not what this was. There were some mountains, but they weren't covered in lush green trees. It was kind of barren. It was arid. There were places where it was desert. There wasn't a lot of game. There wasn't a lot of stuff just to pick and eat. It was a hard place to be. And in Exodus chapter 16, God did something for the first time. And he continued doing it for the next 40 years. And once they entered the promised land, he stopped doing it and hasn't done it since. During those 40 years, God miraculously gave the Hebrew people what is in the Bible referred to as manna, bread from heaven. They would get up in the morning, there was dew on the ground, they would go out, and when the dew dried up, there was this white-looking, thin, flaky bread every morning for 40 years. And God instructed them to take a basket, a small basket, and go out each morning and collect enough of that manna, enough of that bread to feed themselves or their family for that day. And only what they needed for that day, if they collected more and tried to store it up for the future, When they would get up the next day, it would be rotten and have worms in it. God said, I'm just going to give you what you need for today. And then in the evening, so they could have a balanced diet, God gave them quail. So in the evening, they would eat meat. In the morning, they would have bread. And for 40 years, that's what they lived on. Now, if you ever get tired of your mama cooking the same thing all the time, But God miraculously fed them, but they only received each day what they needed for that day. And actually, under the instructions of God, Moses collected some, he and Aaron put it in a jar, and that was placed in the Ark of the Covenant that ultimately was in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. They would have thought about that. Their mind would have immediately gone to that. And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, look what, 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 what the Bible says. Then the Lord, and remember last Sunday, God's holy, sacred name, Yahweh, that, it, that is so special. The name he gave Moses to Moses at the burning bush, his personal name was so sacred that when a Jew would come across Yahweh in the Old Testament, they would not speak his name because sinful lips should never speak the personal name of God. And they would substitute the word Lord. And in our English Bibles, whenever you see Lord all in capital letters, it means that in the Hebrew, originally, that's where God's personal name, Yahweh, is found. And so the Lord, Yahweh, God, His sacred name, God speaks to Moses. And He says, Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. How much? Just what you need for that day. Why? Why? that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instructions. Because sometimes, see, if if you have everything you want, you think you don't need God. You take for granted God. 
And if you're really poor and can't even take care of the basic needs of your life, if you're not careful, you become bitter and turn to behavior. To you know, you steal or you do what you you do what you have to. You become a manipulator because you just have you're worried about surviving and and having too much and having too little. For some people, causes them to turn their eyes away from God. And so God says to the Hebrew people, I'm going to take 40 years to see if you as a nation are willing to trust me with your daily needs or not. So Jesus says when you pray, pray like this, Father in heaven, give us our daily bread. Give us this day our bread. You know what Jesus is doing, what, God, what he's saying there? He says, God says, pray for your basic needs. But nowhere in Scripture does God say pray to be rich. Nowhere in Scripture are you taught that God wants you wants everybody to be... Now, now some people are wealthy, right? And ultimately that comes from God because we, we use resources. We manipulate resources. We work with resources to produce whatever we produce that makes income. And the thing is, everything we produce, we, we produce from something that already is. We never, we never create anything from nothing. Only God does that. Even the mental capacity, it exists within the brain created by our Father. And so, so ultimately everything's from him. And so some are wealthy and, and, and some are not. But God never says, I'm going to make all of my people, if you have enough faith and if you are holy enough, make you rich and always healthy. That, that truth is summarized very well in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. Look at this. Here's what God says. He says, the, the, the author says, keep deception and lies far from me. God, don't let me be fooled. Don't let me be, de- be deceived by teaching, by preaching, by belief systems, by thought patterns that, that, that are none of you and that, that are just, just wrong. He said, here's what I want. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Now, does that mean we're not to work and that if, if we're blessed through that to be wealthy, there's something sinful about that? No, but don't pray for God to make you rich. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That's what I need. That I will not be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Because if you have too much, it can mess up your heart or that I'm not being want and steal and profane the name of, a, of my God. I, I'm so poor, I, I turn to illicit behavior. It's what we need. Now, in America, some people do struggle. We're, we're a blessed, blessed nation, but there are people who struggle. There are people in this country, there are people in this community, probably somebody listening right now because you're either in this room or you're watching on live stream or television and you're struggling to provide, it's a struggle to provide food for your family. There are people in this country that struggle to keep a roof over over their kid's head. Right? There are. There, there are people who, who it's not easy for them to keep good clothes on themselves or their children. People who lack basic stuff. But for most of us, most of you listening to me right now, that's not the case. You don't have everything you want. You don't have as much as some other people have. 
but you've got plenty of food and you have clothing and you've got a house. And your house has heating and it has air conditioning. And you may not be rich and buy everything you want, but you're, you always pay your bills. You're able to pay your bills. And if you don't believe that, just go home and open up your refrigerator. Most of us have more than enough food to get by today, don't we? I mean, Monisa and I, this afternoon, we're leaving for some vacation, go to Kentucky, check on our parents, then we're going to go to the lake in Tennessee. And, and uh, so the last couple of days, we've been eating leftovers, you know, clean the fridge out. And we had enough leftovers to eat for about three days. Plenty of food in there from cooking. And uh, there was a few things, we, you know, we, we, a little bit left over even beyond that, and so tried to give some of it away, had to throw some of it away because you don't want to come back to a smelly house with old food, right? And so late yesterday, one of the last things I did before the convenience center, quote-unquote, well, it is convenient, uh, the, one of the last things I did was take that last bag of garbage after we finally finished cleaning out the refrigerator and stuff, took it to the convenience center. We have plenty if you don't believe in America, most of us have all we need in terms of basic needs. When the service ends, we're going to go eat somewhere. I'm probably going to go to a buffet. But whichever restaurant you go to, it will not be empty this afternoon, right? So... For most of us in this country, when Jesus says pray for God to give you the bread you need for this day, it goes in one ear and out the other because you don't need to pray that. You've already got the bread you need. You may not have what you want, but you've got the bread you need for that day. And so for most of us, we read that and we say, okay, Jesus, thank you for what I have. You've been good. I've got a lot. Thank you. That's, that's about the gist of it. But there's so much more. Our, our focus on the material causes us to miss what, what Jesus is saying. Our, our blessings, we live, in a, we, we live in a wealthy country. The reason most of us don't consider our, ourselves wealthy is we compare ourselves to what others in this country have. And it warps our thinking and our perspective. And here's what happens People like me and you who have plenty when it comes to the basic needs of life, we, if we're not careful, what we do is we begin to substitute what we want for what we need when we read the Lord's Prayer. Because we're constantly bombarded with messages, you need this. I mean, does every child in America need a $600 iPhone? No, you won't die. You may think you're going to, but I promise you, you will wake up tomorrow. Do we need a television in every room in the house? Do we need it? Do you need another outfit? <laughs> Spoken like a woman. isn't it so easy for what we want in our thinking to become what we need hmm I won't say his name but I, I was in part of a conversation after the first service with a guy in our church he's a little bit older and has a 
a boat now, and he had it, you know, his fish finder, and he, he bought a cheap one, and there's this really good one, a much better one, went on sale, and he was thinking about buying it, and uh, his wife's asking, will it help you catch more fish? <laughs> well, not really, but so, you know, there's these things we want, but we don't necessarily need, and it warps our thinking. It warps our perspective. It, it messes with our relationship with Jesus. It messes with our generosity. It messes with our discipleship. It messes with our priorities, our view of life. It's, it's, it's the reason that the prosperity gospel that, or the, the name it, claim it, the word of faith teaching, preaching you hear a lot on TV that is popular with a lot of people that, that if you just have enough faith and if you repent of your sin, God wants to bless you and bless you and make you wealthy. And, and uh, it, it's attractive because it feeds into our cultural disposition in this wealthy nation that wants are the same as needs. And that's not what Jesus taught. How many of you remember the Unabomber? Some of you remember the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski? He was arrested in 1996, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. At that time, the FBI investigation looking for that man that took almost 20 years was the most expensive investigation in the history of the FBI. Ted Kaczynski was a smart man. He was a math professor at a university. Then he went nuts and uh, became an anarchist. Uh, today we would say a domestic terrorist. And he would send threatening letters to individuals and, and, and to, to editors of newspapers, and he released a manifesto, and, and he would, over the course of, of 18 years, he either personally delivered or mailed homemade bombs uh, to almost 30 to 20-some different addresses. People died. People were injured. In the early 70s, before he started doing that, he moved into the woods, an isolated area where he built a one-room cabin. No electricity, no running water, a survivalist living off the land. Some years later, after his arrest and conviction, there was a pastor's wife who was teaching English. She was teaching in an ESL class, English as a second language, to some people who had come to America from other nations, and English was not their first language, so she was teaching them English. trying to help them understand the word eccentric. And she was having a hard time getting those students to understand what eccentric means. So she used the story of Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. And she talked about him moving into the wilderness, building that one-room cabin, no water, no electricity, living off the land, and talking about how eccentric, how weird that's eccentric. And there was a man from Pakistan who said to her, I don't understand. That's how most of the people in my country live. 
that man, that Pakistani man, would understand when Jesus said, pray for God today to give us the bread we need for this day. That man would understand what Jesus meant when he said that. Many of us don't because we already have what we need. And thus we substitute what we want for what we need. And the sad thing for me and the sad thing for some of you is it is, is, is because we focus so much on the material, on the wealth, that we forget there are other things we legitimately need and should pray about. Not just stuff. Now, for those among us who struggle to have enough food and to have heat in their house in the winter or air conditioning when it's 100 degrees outside or even a one place to stay so that they don't have to bounce around from place to place. They, they, they need to pray about those needs. But, but those of us who have all that, we do have some legitimate needs that sometimes we just don't pray about because we've got our focus wrong. You see, you and I do need to have the right kind of godly and healthy, positive relationships. God created us for community, for relationships with him and with other people. And some some of you have broken relationships in your family, in your marriage, in your Sunday school class, in your neighborhood. And, and that is a, a basic human need to have good relationships. And if yours are messed up, you need to be praying that God today, 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 help me fix that. That's a basic need. Some of you parents and grandparents are hurting because you have a child or a grandchild who's making bad decisions. And that's a need. You you need to pray about that. God, today, help me know what to do. Help me know how to love. Help me know how to teach. God, today, speak into that person's heart. But I I want you to notice that it's not just me praying for the legitimate needs of my life. It's also me praying for the legitimate needs in other people's lives because in the Lord's Prayer, as we said last week, each of the pronouns are plural, not one of them is singular. Our Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Plural. Because when I have my focus on God and I've got that straight, okay, I'm going to care about the needs of others. And so you know somebody who needs a job, you're going to pray about that because that's a legitimate need. Some of the people who struggle the most are those who are right on the, on the edge. They're on the edge of having enough or, or being absolute and abject poverty. They, 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 they're, they're right on the edge, and, and so they, they have a car, but they can't always afford gas to get to work, or maybe it doesn't run consistently, and it's hard to keep a job because they don't have adequate transportation. That's a need that people have. People who need medication and can't afford it because they can't afford insurance or whatever, that's a legitimate need that we need to care about in the lives of other people. When Jesus said pray about needs, it's not just my needs, it's our needs, our bread. On and on I could go. It's 
See, Jesus cares about us. He cares about me. He cares about you. He cares about them. He cares about us and wants us to pray for the things that all of us truly need. Notice in in chapter 6, verse 8, as he introduces the Lord's Prayer, he said, so do not be like them, those who were just making a show of religion that wasn't real to them. He said, for your Father knows what you need. There is no person who has a need in God that God does not already know it exists. He says, "So, so God, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, so He already knows, but He wants you to talk about it. He knows you need that. Why are you not talking to him about it? He knows that person needs that. Why are you not talking to him about the needs of that person? Because I'll tell you something. When you begin to talk to God about these things, God suddenly is going to give you some direction, some steps to take, some things to do that can help meet the need in your life, but also might help you know how to meet a need in somebody else's life. God wants us to pray about that stuff. God wants us to substitute prayer for worry. In verse 25, remember the, the, the Lord's Prayer is in the middle of Jesus' sermon, and there's things Jesus said before and after the Lord's Prayer, so it gives context to it. And so after teaching about the Lord's Prayer and fasting in verse 25 of chapter 6, he said, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. If some of us would spend as much time in prayer as we do having this negative self-talk in our head, it's amazing what would happen in our lives. If some of us spend as much time in the Word of God reading and listening to the Holy Spirit as we do worrying about stuff, talking about stuff, it might change everything. Because, listen, what you feast on gets bigger in your life. I want you to notice something. The Lord's Prayer is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, one sermon, and the Lord's Prayer is right in the middle of that sermon in chapter 6. And by the way, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer itself, the part we're looking at today, give us today the bread we need for today is in the middle of that prayer. It doesn't start with us praying about needs and it does not end with us praying about needs. That is in the middle. How does the Lord's Prayer begin? It's what we've talked about the last two Sundays. Our Father, our relationship with Him, who is in heaven, that he is different than us. He is distinct. He is the creator. Hallowed be your name, sacred, sanctified, your name, not just his name, but how we as his people live reflects on his reputation. And so you begin 
your prayer life by praying about your relationship with God and about who He is and His character and about you living in such a way that you bring honor, not disgrace, to Him, that you build up His reputation instead of tearing it down. And then, and only then, are you ready to pray about the needs, the legitimate needs in your life and in the lives of others. And and the reason being is when you have your focus on God and your perspective right, you're going to pray about the needs in a better way. You're going to be better prepared to hear what God says and to react and to respond and to act in the way that God directs. Because if you don't get that first part right, God might say to you, you need to do something, and you're not ready to do it because you haven't gotten your heart right before you start talking about what you need or often what you want. And then after asking about the needs, God says, you don't stop there, you go on. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because you come back to saying, God, in the end, it's all about your kingdom and your will and me doing what is right, me being focused on on, on, on your purpose. And the needs are in the middle because God cared, cares that he's going to help you with them. But if you if you don't, if you don't, through your prayer life, keep your thoughts, your perspective right, then if you're not careful, you use prayer to God about stuff in your life as nothing more than like a kid sitting down at Christmas making out a Christmas list for Santa Claus. And that's not what being a disciple of Jesus Christ is like. Your kingdom come, your will be done. At the end of Matthew chapter 6, in verse 31 and following, look what Jesus said. He said, Do not worry then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for clothing? For, for the Gentiles, and that's a way of referring to unbelievers, eagerly seek all these things. But you, what, what distinguishes us? What makes us unique as followers of Christ? He said, Seek first. First in sequence, before you seek other stuff. First in priority of importance. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these things, these needs, will be added to you. Remember I said last Sunday, the last two weeks prayer doesn't start with us. It starts with who? With God. And prayer is not just about me. It's about us. Our Father who, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I'm ready to ask about my needs. And so Jesus comes back after teaching about the prayer and said, the first thing you are to seek in time and sequence and in priority and importance in your life is the kingdom of God and the righteousness that he wants in our lives and in this world. And in the process, in the process, you'll be able to talk about the needs because you'll be able to talk about it the right way from God's perspective, not just your human perspective. A little over a decade ago, it was big in the news, all the media, television, print media, when Warren Buffett, who at the time was worth $44 billion, I cannot even begin to imagine what that is like. $44 
billion, not million, billion. And he decided to donate 85% of it to charity, most of it to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That 85% equaled $37.4 billion. One of the largest gifts to charity in human history. Very, very, very generous and commendable. Very generous. Not at all sacrificial. Because the 15% of $44 billion he kept for himself is still worth $6.6 billion. He won't have any problem eating out today anywhere he wants to eat out. He doesn't have to pray for his needs because he not only has his needs, anything he wants, he can get if he wants it, right? Absolutely no sacrifice in what he did. Very generous, commendable, honorable, good. I'm not downing him. I'm bragging on him. But it wasn't sacrificial. See, because most of us can't just automatically buy everything we want. And we, 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 we've allowed ourselves to be deceived into thinking that what we want is what we need. Then we struggle to be generous, struggle to be sacrificial. We struggle to give and tithe and we struggle to, to help people because... We say, when, when, I, when I'm able to do this and I'm able to have what I want, even though I think it's what I need, when, then when I have that kind of abundance, then I'll be able to be sacrificial and generous. The problem is, the problem is, most of us will never reach that point where we have enough money to have everything we want, and therefore most of us aren't very generous and sacrificial. Because we've believed a lie. When, when you say, because I'm going to be sacrificial and generous and help, that means I can't eat out as much. That means I can't go to the movie as often. That means I won't buy as many new clothes. That's when you start making some sacrifice. And that's when you all of a sudden discover that God wants to use you in this world to help somebody, to make a difference in this world. And that not only builds up his reputation, it blesses you. And when you seek his kingdom first and God sees that in action, he said, Jesus said, then God will see to it. You have the food you need. You have the house you need. You have the clothing you need. You have your needs. You may never be rich, but God's going to see that you don't starve. So here's my question as I wrap this up. How much do you really want a relationship with Jesus Christ? How much do you really want righteousness in your life?
I mean, I know we all have things we want. How much do you want him? Because that's going to determine how much you seek him in comparison to how much you seek everything else. This altar is a place for you just to get on your knees and talk to Jesus. And I encourage you this morning to come to the front and kneel and talk to Jesus. I'm going to be here. Counselors are going to be here. Pastors are going to be here. We're going to stand and sing a song in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to come and kneel here and pray and talk to Jesus. To come to a pastor and say, today I want to give my life to Christ. Or I I want to join First Baptist Church. Or I need to talk to somebody about baptism. We have people who will answer your questions and help you with any and all of those questions, those decisions that you're trying to make. So I want us to stand. Go ahead and stand up. And when I say amen, we're going to sing and you start coming. Father, I know in this room you are speaking to people. And I pray that man, that woman, that person to whom you're speaking right now, I pray they would have the mindset and the heart and the will to obey you and to respond to you. And God, those who need to come forward in some way and make a public decision or kneel here and pray, God, give them the boldness to do it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.